Hallelujah. So glad you're here this morning. So glad you braved the, the, braved the storm to be here. And, and those that may have not have been able to make it, and maybe they're watching by way of internet this morning. And anyway, whether you're here or internet, we're so glad that you're, you're part of this service and what God's doing in this church body. You know, we're a church family, and, and that's why with Connect class tonight, I want to welcome you all out tonight that want to become members and get connected with us, and, and looking forward to having you here tonight, those that have been recently coming. So, but glad, let's get in the Word. So go to Psalm chapter 63. Psalm 63, and I'm going to be finishing up this aspect of the secret place this morning. We're talking about your position in the secret place. Here in a couple of weeks, I'll begin uh, another aspect of your position, and we'll be talking about in Him, and what it means about being in Christ, and what that looks like, and what that means for our daily lives. Uh, but I believe there's something specific that the Lord wants us to, wants us to learn this morning and, and walk in. And, uh, and, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, he is too. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! That was a confirmation. Praise the Lord. As Pastor Steve said. <laughs> That'll wake you up. Hallelujah. You know, just, just understanding about this secret place. It's, he who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, as I was preparing this week, and, and I just kept having this thought, you know, just go through my heart about running on empty. This phrase, living on empty. You know, it was a few years ago, I was, uh, I was preparing to minister, and, and uh, before I came out to minister, the, the, there was a question that came up in my heart, the Holy Spirit asked me, and, and some of you heard me talk about this before, and it was the question, what is the number one problem in the world? And, and I'm like, okay, what, what is the number one problem? I'm thinking about what this number one problem of, of, in the world is. And, and I'm trying to, God's asking me this question, what's the number one problem? Like, how would I know the answer? What, so I'm thinking terrorism. I'm thinking of, uh, of economy. I'm thinking of all sorts of things as being the number one problem in the world. And then I got quiet and, and the Holy Spirit said, the number one problem in the world is deficit. That's good. I was like, Deficit? He goes, and so what is deficit? Deficit is lack. It's shortage. It's not having enough. It's more going out than what's coming in. That's, that's deficit. That's living with deficit. And, and immediately when I thought deficit, I'm thinking, okay, so it's the financial thing. And, and the Lord was like, no, that, you're not getting it. He was like, there's a deficit of love. There's a deficit of peace. There's a deficit of patience. There's a deficit of joy. There's a deficit of faith. There's a deficit of wisdom. There's a deficit of honor. There's a deficit of finances. There's a deficit in so many different ways and areas of our life. That's the biggest problem in the world today is deficit. I remember my first time, I just started working for the ministry and and I had to drive from here to California to the West Coast Believers Convention. And, and, and we had this truck. We called it the White Knight. It was a six-wheeler. And I just started working at the ministry, working in, this, this, uh, in the job of production. And um, this, this White Knight, it, it, it had been around some years, you know. And, um, you know, and so our plan was, you know, first, it was 26 hours driving. It was me and another guy. And, and I'm thinking, wow, this is... Now I drove from Maryland to here in a car, but in this truck and... And the truck, you had to pray sometimes to make sure this truck was, was going to make it, you know, and, and, you know, but, but, so we were about to leave that morning and we had, we had mapped out our whole schedule and mapped out our whole plan. And so we're going to leave at 6am. Well, we get to the church and we get to the ministry and we go to start it and it wouldn't start. 
like, hey, this is a great way to start a 26-hour journey, you know, and, and, so we're, and, and so something was wrong with, with the battery. So we had to get a new battery. So we ended up not being able to leave until 10 a.m., so that's, that's put us four hours behind what we wanted to do. So, but we still had a, some goals that we wanted to hit and, and so of, of how far we wanted to drive. And, and so we're driving and we're driving. I had never driven, you know, I'm from Maryland and, you know, I can be in Delaware in 10 minutes. I can be in Virginia in 20 minutes. I can be in Pennsylvania in two hours. I can be to New Jersey in two and a half hours. I can be to New York in four and a half hours. You know, I can be in West Virginia in, in two hours. And so I'm... I could, you know, pretty much within two hours, you know, I can get there. I didn't realize that when you, when I'd leave Fort Worth, I would still be in the, in Texas 12 hours later, 12 hours later, I'm in El Paso and I'm like, seriously, we're still in the same state. Something's wrong with this. Then I'm realizing I'm like halfway to California and I'm still in the same state. You know, and, and so, so then we get into New Mexico and we get to Arizona and I'm thinking, okay, we're on a highway. So there's gonna be plenty of places to get gas, you know? And, and so we're driving and we're in New Mexico and I'm like, okay, we had, you know, we, when we left civilization, we had about in between half and a quarter of a tank and like, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. He was from Alabama and I was from Maryland. And so, and so we're driving and I'm like, Gas is getting lower and it's getting lower and it's getting lower and we're going and we're like, okay, here's a, here's a city coming up here. There's a city. I, I see some buildings up here. We get to, it was like a ghost town. There was nothing there. And I'm like, where do people get gas around here? And we're just driving. And you notice when your gas tank is low and it gets lower and lower, you, you're like looking at the gas tank every 10 seconds to see it's like. You know, and you notice when you, you start running on empty in your vehicle, it's like, it's like there's this kind of worry that kind of sets in. You know, maybe for a younger generation, it's when your battery gets low on your phone. It's like you charge your, you charge your, you charge your phone all night long and, and, and then you look at it and you, look, you wake up, it's 10%. What happened? It's like, it's like it's something just happened and you realize it wasn't plugged into the wall. And, and you know, and you're like... And so there's this, what am I going to do? I got 10% to last me all day long. What am I going to do? And so there's this, there's this, this, when you're running empty in life, no matter what area it is, it causes you to be moved in your emotions. Anytime you're running empty naturally, it's always going to, it's always going to show up in your emotions. And, and the same thing is spiritually. When you're running low spiritually, it's going to show up in your emotions. See, the biggest thing that we'll face in our lives is the deficit that we have when it comes to our spiritual walk with God. When I was praying about this and, and thinking about this and being in the secret place, the, this secret place and this position that God has called us to is a place where we're to be filled. That's why he says, he who dwells in the secret place. This isn't, some, this isn't an aspect of visiting a place. This is a place of where you dwell. It's, and it says, he who abides under the shadow of the mighty. The word abide means to sit down and remain. So it is this position in the secret place that causes us to be filled. And I've noticed in my own life when, when my emotions or fear or maybe offense or when it comes to, to, to with marriage and how I respond to my spouse or my children or the people, my, my, the people I work with, 
I can tell maybe I might not be as full as I need to be spiritually when I start seeing my emotions show up naturally. And, I, and as I was thinking about this, I, I was immediately quickened to, to Jesus. Right after he got filled with the Holy, after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 3. And in Luke chapter 4, it says then that he was full of, went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. But yet it, it said he, he fasted and he was without food for 40 days and it said, and he was hungry. And you notice after he was hungry, that's when the enemy came. The enemy, I believe, tested him and tempted him for, for during that whole time. But it wasn't until it says afterwards he hungered. After those 40 days, he had hungered. And right after that is immediately when the enemy came. You see, when you're depleted naturally, the enemy is going to come with temptations. When you're depleted, when, you're, when there's some sort of hunger, when there's something you're lacking, when there's some sort of deficit, that's when the enemy came to Jesus. He didn't come to Jesus necessarily immediately when he came into the garden, when he was full of the Holy Spirit. Or he didn't immediately come when, when he, had, he had just, just had the, the, the best fish dinner he ever had when he came after he got baptized. It was when he was hungry. It was when there was something lacking naturally that the enemy came to tempt him. But it's interesting to know that when he, in verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, when he left the wilderness, it said he left, it said when he came, when he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, there's something we got to see here. He went in full of the Holy Spirit and he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a possible possibility to live full, even though you go through difficult times. See, see, Jesus had to tap into the secret place. He had to position himself in this secret place, even though he might have been lacking some things in the natural. You might be lacking some things in the natural right now, but you still need to live full spiritually. Because it's how you live full spiritually that determines the outflow of your life naturally. That's good. That's right. That's right. What did he do here? Let's go to Psalm 63. I want to read this scripture. In Psalm 63... Verse five, it says, my whole being shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness. My whole being, every part of me, every part, say every part of me will be satisfied. Satisfied means to not be lacking anything, right? So every part of me, my whole being, my spirit, my soul, my body, every part of me will be filled. It says with marrow and fatness, marrow, marrow represents strength. Fatness represents abundance. So when it says my whole being will be strong and my whole being will be in abundance. Hallelujah. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips when I remember. See, it says when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. When I remember you. So when I remember him, and as I remember him, it's going to cause my being to come to a place where it's satisfied. That's what he says. My whole being will be satisfied, and my lips will praise you when I remember you upon my bed and in the night watches. This upon my bed and the night watches represent when I'm going through difficult times, I'm going to remember you. I'm going to remember you. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. 
I'm going to remember you. Why? Because you're my help. And it says, I'm going to rest in the shadow of your wings. David is saying, I choose to put myself in your presence. I choose to remember you. And when I put myself under your wings and I choose to remember you, it's going to cause me to be satisfied. And I believe that's what Jesus did when he was in the wilderness. When the enemy came to him with temptations, what did he do? Every time that the enemy came to him with a temptation, he said, it is written, it is written, and it is said. It is written, it is written, and it is said. Three different temptations. And we see these temptations. The first one had to do with, with Jesus being hungry. And it said, if you, if, you, if, you're, if you are the son of God, take these stones and turn them into bread. And so if you understand this, and he said, you know, he said, God, that, that we should live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what does that represent? Jesus remembered. It's not about what I can do to this bread. It's understanding about every word that he speaks is my bread. Is understanding that Jesus understood and remembered is not this natural thing that's going to satisfy me. It is the very thing that I remember that comes from God. See, it's what comes from God that's going to cause you to be filled when you may be empty. The next temptation was about, was about worship. Satan said, if you, you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. And people say, oh, well, it wasn't really a temptation because, because Satan didn't have it. Yes, he did. Adam gave it to him. That's right. That's right. It wouldn't have been a temptation if it wasn't Satan's to give it. Yeah. That's right. And what did Jesus say? It is written, you shall worship God and him only shall you serve. So here, what do we see here? First, he remembered that God's word needs to be priority. Second, he, he understood who his, who his worship belongs to. And who his trust is in. And the next thing was just cast yourself off this pinnacle. Because after all, you know, Jesus said he'll bear you up. Angels will bear you up in, in their arms. And, and God, and what did Jesus say? It is said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. I Meaning it's not about proving him. It's about trusting him. Yes. And so when Jesus went in full and he came out full, even though that he was in a season where he could be in a deficit. He was strong because of what he remembered. Because of what he remembered. You know, I talked about that, you know, we're at the close end of worship. I came in here on Friday and I just started remembering. And all of a sudden, I just was overwhelmed by this great salvation. This eternal life. Man, and there was such a power that came on my life. It was such this, this strength that came into my being just because I remembered him. And remembered the salvation. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, it said when they, when they said, for he is good and his mercies endure forever. When he is good and his mercy endures forever. It said as they would say and talk about him and remembered him that he's good and his mercy endures forever. And when they kept saying it, for the Lord is good, stored in the, and his mercy endures forever. When, when they kept saying that, for the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. It said the presence of God showed up to where no one could stand. You see, it's in that secret place where David understood it when I remember him on my bed. It's a place to be filled. And I've seen this in ministry. And I've, I see it with believers. There, there's this phrase that, that I don't quite understand. And it's this phrase of burnout. Yeah, really. Really. Well, I'm just burnt out on religion. Well, why are you in religion? 
I'm just burnt out on church. Well, you're not, something's not right. Well, I'm just burnt out in ministry. You're not, something's not, something's wrong. If you have this feeling, I'm just burnt out. And you're like, well, I just don't want to go to church today because I'm just burnt out. Something's missing. You're not doing it right. I'm just burnt out with marriage. You're not doing it right. We have to really get a hold of why, why, why do I not want to go to, if I, if I'm sitting home and, and also I have this idea of, of, you know what, I, you know, I went to church the last two weeks. I just don't want to go today. If you have that thought, something's wrong with that thought. Something's wrong with that thought. It is. And I'm not saying that you have to be in church 24-7 because what happened is the enemy comes and, and what he, he, he wants to deplete you. That's what the enemy constantly was trying to do with Jesus. Trying to zap his strength, zap his energy and get him to a place of deficit. But yet God's desire is that we would be filled. In Luke chapter 1 verse, verse 53, I believe it is, it says that he satisfies the hungry. And he sends the, the rich away empty-handed. Think about that. Jesus, it, it, it actually was Mary who said it out of a revelation of who God is. And she said, hey, he, he gives good things. He fills the hungry and he sends the rich away empty-handed. Does that mean he doesn't like the rich? No, it has nothing to do with it. Meaning he's, he satisfies the person that's hungry for him. Not the person that doesn't need him. That's the difference. You look throughout scripture, God's desire is that we would live filled. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. We're not to be over on E. We're supposed to be full. We're we're called to be filled. We're not, we're not called to just be, be, well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm halfway full. No, we're to, there, our needle needs to be buried in full. But a lot of times we wait too long and, until all of we get over here and all of a sudden we, we, we don't know what to do. We're in fear. And we all, no, you need to be filled. It's his do- desire that you would be filled. Jesus told his disciples before he, when he, you know, right before he went to heaven, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to stay there until you're endued with, word endued means clothed with power. I want you to go. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. He goes in John. He says, it's expedient that I go away because if I don't go away, the comforter can't come. I've got to go away because when I go away, I can send the Holy Spirit to you and he not only be with you, but will be in you. So he's talking about them being filled. It's his desire that we would be filled. That's his desire for every single one of us to be filled. Let's go to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five. Thank you for your word today, Father. So grateful for the word. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter five. Look at verse 17. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understand and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Some people have an idea, well, no one knows what the Lord's will is. 
No one know what, knows what God's going to do. No, no one knows what the Lord's will is. But here Paul's saying that you need to thoroughly grasp what the will of the Lord is. He tells them, no, don't be foolish. Don't be vague. But understand what the will of the Lord is. In verse 18, and don't be drunk with wine. For that is debauchery, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. The King James says in verse 17, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So what is the Lord's will? That you would be filled with the Spirit. Don't be unwise. Understand what the Lord's will is. Meaning you need to have wisdom concerning the Lord's will. And don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Meaning don't be intoxicated with things of this world. Don't be consumed with the things of this world, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be intoxicated with natural things, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. So here we're seeing the Lord's will. We're seeing God's desire. And what is that desire? That we would be filled with the Spirit. And this position in the secret place is all about living filled. Living filled. He wants you filled. Not empty. He wants you living filled. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So when we talk about getting filled, what are we filled with? We can talk about being filled with the word. We can talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. But Jesus was full, went in full of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that you would be filled with the Spirit. Say filled with the Spirit. And a lot of times we have this idea where this filling of the spirit is somehow some sort of feeling, some sort of emotion. Yeah, it is the power of God. It is the person of God that has come to live on the inside of each one of us. Say this with me. I have God living on the inside of me. Say it again. I have God living on the inside of me. See, that's who the Holy Spirit is. God living on the inside. He came to make his home in you. But what does that mean? And what does that look like? It's not just being filled to say, hey, I I, I speak in tongues, although that's a byproduct of, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful for that gift. I'm so grateful because praying in the Holy Spirit, it says it edifies us. It builds us up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Corinthians talks about praying in the Holy Spirit as an aspect that, that we pray the hidden wisdom of God. Romans chapter 8 talks about praying in the Holy Spirit. It helps us pray when we don't know how to pray as we should. It's an empowerment. It's a gifting. Praying in the Holy Spirit as pertains to a corporate setting is to, with prophecy, is to edify the church. So here, this, this, this being filled with the Holy Spirit, praying in other tongues and the gifts of the Spirit, they're amazing things. But a lot of times we, 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 we focus a lot of times on the power that the Spirit produces instead of the life change the Spirit produces. What, what do I mean by life change? In Roman, in in Galatians chapter five, let's look at this verse 22. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Let's stop there for a moment. I, I feel prompted in my heart to just say this. In the Old Testament, there was, they had what they called the high priest garments. And, and they had all these different things that would represent different things. Remember, Jesus is our high priest. And we understand everything in the Old Testament garment that the priest wore represented something for us in the New Testament. Everything in the, in the Old Testament is, a, in the New Testament is, is, Old Testament is a shadow of what's in the New, right? But there was something on the high priest's garment. On the bottom of their garment was a pomegranate and a bell. 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 What does that mean? See, bell represents power. The pomegranate represents fruits. You see, if just bells are placing together, then what are we at? What are we? Corinthians says we're just a clanging symbol. But when there's fruit in between it, you get a more perfect picture of how and why being filled with the spirit is so important to our daily lives. Because it's the, it's the power, the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit that cause us to be more like Jesus. And so, so here, what is this spirit being filled with the spirit? Yes, I appreciate the power and I desire to walk in greater aspects of that power. But what about living filled in our daily lives? Not just focusing on power, but how about being filled with love? What about being filled with joy? What about being filled with peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance? See, a lot of times people say, you know, with people that can be real harsh and people will say, well, that's just my leadership gift coming out. What? No, that's just an area that you're not operating in the fruit of the spirit. That's good. Well, you know, it just all, all, you know, I just all my life, I just would, you know, just my family, we showed up late to things because they showed up late to things. Well, according to this, one of the fruit is faith, which is actually faithfulness. Maybe you're not allowing the fruit of the spirit to shape your life. And so we have to understand being filled with the spirit in this secret place isn't just a place of power, but it's a place where we get filled with the nature and character of God. Love. Now, let me read this in the Amplified as I love the, how it says here in the Amplified. It's almost like there's 18 gifts instead or, or an 18 fruit instead of nine fruit. But, you know, because it amplifies it. But it says, now listen. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, now listen to this, the work which his presence within accomplishes, his presence accomplishes is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, an even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint, continence. Against such there is no law that can bring a charge. So being filled with the Spirit is also about being filled with all these things. You see, when you're filled with love, you're filled with peace, you're filled with patience, and you're filled with these things, it doesn't matter what might be going on in the natural around you, you're full. Yeah, yeah, I know that woman just cussed me out, but you know what? I'm filled with love. Yeah, that person just lied about me, but you know what? I'm filled with love. Yes, I know I'm in traffic right now, and, but uh, I'm filled with patience. Mm. My wife says, preach it. She's like, preach to yourself, honey. You, 
You see, this is, this is, this is something that, that the being in the secret place is all about. It's about becoming more in his image. You know, the spirit. Now, think about just Just kind of elaborate on some of these for a moment, just, just real briefly. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by what? The Holy Spirit. If you, don't underst- if you don't have an understanding of God's love for you and you don't have, have an understanding of how much you should love others, it means you're not filled. Because if we're really filled, one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is that he's going to shed abroad that love in our hearts. Yeah, so that's good. This love, filled with love. Say, I'm filled with love. I'm filled with love. Because I'm filled with the Spirit. Wow. And what if we all walked around filled with love? Man, wouldn't it be awesome, Jared? What if we all walked around filled with the Spirit? What about kindness? Wow. Kindness. Just simple acts of kindness one to another. Simple acts of kindness for the person that's on this congregation to this side of the congregation. What about kindness and being... There would no be no such thing as racism if we understood and were filled with the fruits of the Spirit. Hallelujah. It's quiet in this church. Filled with his love. Being filled. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, I believe it says, In the God of hope. The God of hope fill you with joy and peace. The God of hope fills you with joy and peace. What about joy? Love and Rick talks about joy. Hallelujah. Joy. And the God of hope fill, fill you with joy. It's his desire to fill everything. Jesus said in John 1, it says, out of his fullness, we have all received fullness. Grace for grace. And part of that fullness is Joy. We know Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, I will show you the path of life. And in his presence is fullness of joy. So when we talk about the secret place and we talk about being a place of his presence, we're also talking about it's a place of fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Joy is not a natural emotion. It's not a natural feeling. You're like, hey, I just won the lottery. I have a lot of joy. No, you, you, you can still have joy even though you just lost your house. Yeah. Come on. Because joy is not a natural emotion. It's a spiritual force. And it's a spiritual force that strengthens you from the inside out. And it's a spiritual force that carries you to victory. It's a spiritual force that causes you to laugh in the face of the enemy. It's a spiritual force that causes you to, to be happy in the midst of times where you should be sorrow, sorrowful. Joy and the God of hope fills you with joy and peace in believing. Peace. I don't have time enough to talk about peace. Let me, let me just quote this one scripture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, the NIV. It says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way the Lord be with you all. Amen. 
The Apostle Paul has, is speaking here and he's closing, about to close out this chapter. And he says, now may the Lord, this is Paul's prayer. And he's saying, may the Lord peace himself. Peace here is a person. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. It says the Lord peace himself right. will give you peace. Right. I love that. Give you peace at all times and in every way the Lord be with you. So Paul's saying, because the Lord's going to be with you, the Lord peace himself will give you peace at all times and in every way. A fruit of the spirit and being filled with the spirit is having peace. Hallelujah. Oh, what Billy Brim talks about peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Peace, completeness, wholeness. Peace. Look, when Jesus said, peace be still to the storm. Peace isn't having a feeling of calm. Peace is the power that produces the calm. That's right, that's good. Being filled with his spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. And the God of hope. Hallelujah. Fill you with joy and peace in believing that you what might abound in hope. Abound, say abound. abound. Abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. What is hope? It's an expectation. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Being filled with the Spirit. He will give you hope. Abound in hope. Hope is a, an expectation. It's, it's being on the edge of, your, on your, edge of your seat with an outstretched neck with an expectation that what God has spoken to you is going to come to pass. So the Spirit of God on the inside of you. See, your heart is like a canvas. Dr. Savell talks about this. Your heart is like a canvas and the word of God and the spirit of God are like the paintbrush. And it paints a picture on your heart of what God has in store for you. It paints on your heart the promises of God. It paints on your heart the things that you need to know to get through wherever you're at. And here it says that we will abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit is going to fill me with God's plan for my life, God's will for my life. An expectation that's going to produce faith. Hallelujah. And being filled with the Spirit. That's what being seated in the secret place is all about. That's that position. It's a position of where we get filled with all the fruits of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I need to turn back there, but in Ephesians 5, remember he says, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. First he says, don't be unwise. But then he says, be filled with the Spirit. He, he tells us what not to be, and he tells us what to be. He tells us not to be unwise. But he's connecting that to being filled with the Spirit. There's another thing about this being filled with the Spirit. We need to understand that being filled with the Spirit is giving us the ability to be filled with wisdom. What Cassie's saying, the Spirit of wisdom. Open my eyes. I won't try to sing it. Spirit of revelation. 
open my heart. This being filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Let's go to John chapter 14. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling this place. Thank you for filling everyone watching. Hallelujah. Watching now and they'll be watching in the future. Filled. Filled. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Now listen, he shall teach you all things. He will, this spirit that Jesus is saying we're to be filled with, saying he will teach me all things. All things. Hallelujah. And bring all things to your remembrance. Man, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. He will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all things. Over in 1 John, he he talks about you have an unction from the Holy One. And you know all things. I've heard some people say, well, well, Pastor, you know, I don't really go to church anymore because, you know, I have the Holy Spirit. and, and, And I don't go to church anymore because, you know, I have the Holy Spirit. And he says he teaches me all things. You are confused. Because the same one that said that also said he gave pastors, prophets, evangelists, and teachers for, for, for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. And I love what, what, what uh, in the Amplified says about 1 John 2.20. It says, it says that you have an unction from, a sacred appointment from, a sacred appointment from, and you know all things. I, heard, I had one, one friend of mine that was a minister, and he said, too many times we miss our appointments. We miss our appointments to receive what God's trying to direct us in. But Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is to teach us all things and to bring everything back to our remembrance. And he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. Because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of peace. And it's not anything you can get from this world. No matter how hard you try. You'll never have enough money to get it. You'll never have enough things in the natural to get love, joy, peace, patience, humility, self You'll never have enough things in the natural. That's why Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, meaning there's nothing in the natural that's going to bring what you need. But when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll no longer be unwise. So if I'm being filled with wine all the time and getting drunk all the time, then what happens? It's saying, I'm unwise. I don't need a debate this morning about whether it's, you can be a Christian and drink. I'm not going to go there this morning. Come on. Come on. Come on. It's understanding. Do you want to be unwise or wise? Be filled with the Spirit. We go to John 16. Thank you, Father. John 16. Verse 12. I have yet many things to say to you, but you can't hear them now. Why why do you think he said that? I have many things, meaning there's things I'm about to share with you, Rick, that's going to give you wisdom, but right now you won't be able to receive it. There's many things I want to tell you, Justin, but you can't receive it yet. And then he tells them why. How be it when the spirit of truth comes? 
See, you can't hear what I'm about to say right now, but you're about to receive the spirit of truth. And when you receive the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. That sounds like wisdom. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Wisdom. In, John, in, in James chapter 1, what does James say? If any man lack wisdom. Verse 5. If any man at la- lack wisdom. If any man has a deficit of wisdom. Let him ask of God who gives liberally. He gives this wisdom liberally. He gives this wisdom liberally. How will he give this, li- this wisdom? Through the gift of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you. It may come through me preaching. It may come for you reading the word. It may come through a still small voice. It may come through, through just a conversation with a friend. It could come in a lot of different ways. But, but on the inside of you, there's going to be wisdom. I just taught you how to hear the voice of God. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask. And he will give to all men liberally, generously. Meaning he's not withholding wisdom from you. He holds wisdom for you. But it comes out of this spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit. Telling you, we need to live filled. It's not just living filled because we say we pray in tongues. But no, we live filled and it affects every area of our lives. It causes us to look like Jesus. It's two more scriptures. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 2 Peter chapter 1. Thank you, Father. Verse 3 says, For his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisites and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of him who called us by and to his own glory and virtue. Now, let's, let me read this in the New Living. In the New Living Translation, it says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Let me just stop there for a moment. He's given you everything you need. It's not about waiting for something else. It's not about waiting for someone else. Well, if I just had that spouse, or if I just had this person, or I just had that, if I just had the right church, or if I just, no, he's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything. 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 By his divine power, who's what? The Holy Spirit. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. I love that. To the one who called us to himself. Sounds like the secret place to me. This secret, everything that we need in life. Everything. Who's called us to himself by means of his marvelous, glorious excellence. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. And I might close with this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hmm. 
verse 1. For, I'm sorry, um, chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. With all that are in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Now, first you're like, well, maybe this is just written to the church of Corinth. No, he tells us to everyone he's writing it to. He goes, I'm writing this to the church of Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Are you sanctified in Christ Jesus? Are you born again? This is those are called to be saints. Are you called to be saints? With all that are in every place that call upon the name of the Lord, do you call upon the name of Jesus? So he's talking to you. Verse 3, so what does he tell us? Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what comes from the Father? Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Verse 5, that in everything you may be enriched. Everything that you might be enriched. So because of this grace and peace, I'm enriched in everything. The word enrich means to be made full. So because of this grace and because of this peace that I have received from the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace, the, the Holy Spirit, it says I'll be enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. Meaning everything I say and all the knowledge I've had, it's, I'm enriched in it. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, verse 7, so that you come behind in no gift. If, if you come behind no gift, that lets me know that you're full. You're not lacking anything, right? You're not lacking anything at all. You come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So realize, while we're waiting for Jesus to come, you've already been given everything you need. Amen. And it's found in the Holy Spirit, and it's found in grace and peace. Right. So that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning that he's going to perfect you in every way up in the time that Jesus comes back. Why? Verse 9. God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You were called into fellowship. You were called into the secret place. This fellowship. Remember I said, what is prayer? Prayer is fellowship with God. Is conversation with God. And it's because that we've been called in this fellowship with God that we're enriched in everything. We're filled with everything we need. By his divine power, he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. That we've been filled with the spirit. That meaning we've been filled with everything that we need power-wise and we've been filled with everything we need fruit-wise. Love, joy, peace, patience. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for it. Just stand to your feet and just start thanking him for it. Thank you that you filled me with everything. That you've given me this aspect to be able to fellowship with you. Thank you, Father, that you've given me the secret place. A place where I'm filled. A place where I'm enriched. A place where I've been given all things. Hallelujah. That pertain to life and godliness. I come behind in nothing. 
Not because I'm so great in myself, but because of the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for flooding us this morning and filling us, Father, hallelujah, with the fruit of the Spirit, filling us with the gifts of the Spirit, filling us with wisdom, filling us with faith, filling us with the love, filling us with peace, filling us with joy, filling us with self-control, filling us, Father, with everything that we need, Father, hallelujah, that we don't come behind in any aspect of life. Father, you've given us everything. Hallelujah. Filled, filled, filled. Oh, I just prophesy that, that we are filled with the fruits of the spirit. Oh, I prophesy that the fruit of the spirit are flowing. Hallelujah. In our lives, the fruit of the spirit are flowing out of our lives. Hallelujah. The fruit of the spirit. Hallelujah is increasing more and more. Oh, the love of God is increasing more and more. Hallelujah to all men. Hallelujah. Thank you. The love of God is abounding in our hearts. The love of God is overflowing in our hearts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.